The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa. Welcome to Business is Boring. Humans being augmented with exoskeletons to support disability and increase potential might sound a little far into the future, but today's guest is working on technology now that is as light as a merino undershirt and able to exert a pulling force 10,000 times its own weight. Denison Technologies has developed an amazing bit of kit that can be used for soft robotics and as an actuator wherever you need something lightweight and unusually strong. The company began with founder Anvil Banyas, who wanted to help create tech to help people like his father, who lives with accessibility issues linked to polio. Anvil joins us now to chat the journey so far and what's next. Tanakwe, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, so... Tell me how you came to be interested in making technology that can be used for things like exoskeletons. Yeah, that's um, that's a real interesting uh, question. So I am a mechanical engineer by background. Um, and like you said, my, my father suffers from polio. He suffered from polio from a very young age. And I kind of grew up seeing a lot of his struggle. And so it's always kind of been a lifelong mission. Initially kind of just throwing it back and forth going, oh, I'm going to make you walk. Um, and then when I got to engineering, um, I noticed how much it actually um, affected my father. And so I told myself, okay, when I get to my fourth year, I'm going to develop an exoskeleton to help my father walk. Um, started doing that using um, what's called pneumatic muscle actuators. Um, and I found um, very early on that there were a lot of issues with current conventional actuators, um, one being heavy, one being bulky, and the other one being very complex and very uncomfortable as well um, when you start putting it into something like a wearable. And from there, I told myself, oh, there's got to be something better. Um, and then I got into the realm of what's, uh, what's called essentially artificial muscles um, and pretty much just went from there, um, artificial muscles being more compliant, um, lighter weight, um, you know, but still strong. I mean, there's a whole lot of um, different ones, but um, that's kind of that's kind of it. It's, it. It really stemmed from the need for something that was going to help someone get out of a wheelchair, for example, um, but not have to look like you know Iron Man at all. So yeah, because your mind does go to you know the pneumatic and the the suit and the the big kind of. Um, you know, almost like getting into an avatar costume or yeah. something. Um, but yeah, and, and, and you mentioned the word actuator there that I used in the intro. So what, what does actuator mean? Yeah, uh, it's a very it's it's a very engineering term. Um, hence, I don't I don't use that often. I just tend to go with artificial muscle. It describes what we're doing a bit better. But actuators are um, essentially just movers. Anything that um, helps something from move from A to B. Um, so hydraulics, the things you see on cranes. Um, Motors, um, you know, uh, in a way, the engines in our car are an actuator. Um, it's just made of like little tiny pistons. But um, anything that moves to move, uh, anything that allows 
something to move from point A to point B is like the most general term for it. And you mentioned in there as well that you were in the Air Force. Tell me about that journey. So you, you studied and worked as a mechanical engineer with uh, the services. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I had two dreams growing up. Um, one, The major dream for me was um, being able to help my dad um, walk. Uh, and the other dream was uh, to be a soldier. Um, and I've, I've been yelling that um, to my mom and dad um, from a very young age as well. And so um, joining the Air Force, joining the military um, allowed me to, to fulfill my first dream, um, which, which was to, you know, to train, be a soldier, do all the, the fun soldiery stuff. Um, but then as I progressed with my career, it was a very fulfilling career. Um, but the other dream just kept yelling at me in the background. Um, and I told myself that my dad's only getting older at this stage and I need to, I need to at least try to pursue that or else I'll just keep asking myself what if. And um, yeah, and that kind of led to, to dancing. Yeah, and tell me about your father. Yeah, my father. Um, he's, he's, the, um, he's definitely the rock, um, the foundation for me, um, not just for the company, but for me personally. Uh, yeah, grew up with disability, um, but one of the strongest people I know. Um, he, even though he had um, polio in his left leg, meaning that um, he has to wear a brace um, to walk around, use crutches. Um, he was a um, he was a power lifter. He won competitions. He um, you know doing bench press. He was able to bench press all the way up to three times his own weight. Um, he was impressive, um, and that's the father that I grew up with, and that's the father that I look up to. Um, to the point where, as I was growing up, um, I didn't even know that he had, a, had that what disability meant, um, and I just kind of wondered, oh, why is everyone else's father a little different? Um, because t- to me. It didn't feel like there was anything different, you know. Um, and so, yeah, foundation for me, for Denison, um, and, yeah, the reason I'm starting all of this. And that idea of the exoskeleton, like, that's not kind of a, you know, um, horizon one or, you know, able to be done tomorrow kind of thing. Eh? There's a lot of stuff that has to be built to to create that. T- tell us about the journey into the, the, the artificial muscle technology not being all metal and uh, parts and pneumatic and hydraulic and all of these things. And, and what took you to fabric? Yeah, um, it's, it's really, it's a good question. I can des- describe it in different ways. Um, one way of describing the reason why I went to that development is really asking ourselves, when was the last time we wore something rigid and metallic on our daily lives, Right. Um, we tend to look for comfort first. You know, we want to have something that can help us move around, not weigh too much. Um, and that's a natural thing. Um, you don't see people wearing medieval armor all over the place. Um, although those things can, are surprisingly versatile. Yeah. Um, but um, it's really around that. It, it, it's, it's a human-centric approach to design and development. And um, it just... The original, the original actuation technology, motors, hydraulics actuators, they're really good. But when you, when you put it in the context of wearables, you start have to interface it with yourself. It doesn't work well with our bodies that are soft or compliant and, and um, have a whole bunch of different like weird curves and you know, very, very natural, right? And, um, and so that's where working with um, soft materials, artificial muscles – 
that's where a lot of the benefit um, becomes apparent is when you have something that um, isn't going to encumber you, but it's something that is going to fit around you and your lifestyle. Yeah, like, like you mentioned with the medieval armor, uh, like I've seen video of uh, quite amazing uh, fluidity on certain movements, like yeah. of the arm and shoulder and elbow coming back. Um, but very limited range of motion because you'd have to only be going on the 90 to the 45 degree. You couldn't be going up and down or uh, around and about. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the whole reason why we, we, we went to fabric. Even, even now, like, I mean, like modern body armor for people like in law enforcement kevlar right mm. which is you know uh has a level of compliance but then hardens on impact essentially and so yeah a lot of a lot of the human-centric approach is really around comfort and that's what i really wanted to do if this is something that's going to go on people who have disability who need to to walk around who need to to use this as a daily basis not just on the clinical basis um, it needs to be something that they want to wear, not something that they feel like they have to wear. And in this process of of trying to work out, you, you know, I guess the fundamental technology to enable exoskeletons, you have managed to develop a weirdly strong actuator. Tell tell us about that, and like, give us a point of reference as to kind of you know how much of a jump forward that is. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll elaborate on that. Um, the first point. Um, I, I got the shower thought the people driving the dream are really the engineers um, involved um, actually doing the R&D in the lab as we speak. So uh, definitely not something I wouldn't say I developed it. I thought of the high level value of using this technology, um, but it's re- really been driven by my CTO who happens to also be my wife um, and um, the amazing team that we've built um, in the uh, and working on the, the actuator at the most set. Um, so yeah, so they, they're definitely the brains behind it. Um, in terms of developing it, it yeah, it started from this human centric approach. Um, we need to it needs to be compliant, needs to be safe, it needs to be soft, um, and then going into um, yeah, I did. I did advanced materials in the end of my degree, and then I stumbled on a class, a smaller class at this stage, but. Um, growing pretty rapidly called um, smart materials. Um, smart materials are any kind of material where if you stimulate it, um, it can change its properties. And these properties can be things like um, its optical properties or thermal properties. It changes shape um, when you stimulate it. Um, and so that to me was like, oh, wow, okay. That, well, muscle's a very similar thing. And we, we have muscle um, on our bodies, but it's not like it, it's soft. It, it doesn't take too much space. Why can't we use this to, um, to as a design aspect? And it was really difficult. Um, but yeah, it, it involves a lot of uh, material science. It involves a lot of um, need, needing to actually have a laboratory. Um, and so that's that's kind of how it started. And um, there's a whole a whole bunch of intricacies. It's very it's very um, multidisciplinary. You got material science, you got um, electronics, you got aspects of um, biomechanical engineering. But that's that's kind of how it um, yeah how yeah. it was built. So and and a bunch of work at the edge of physics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we're always um, we're always pulling our hair. Um, you know, when it comes to to developing this. It's not easy. I mean, if if we wanted the easy route, we would have just taken um, the um, whatever's out there, motors, pneumatics, or whatever, and just developed a product out of it. But we just knew that it wasn't going to solve the the core issue, 
which was, again, uh, being bulky, being heavy, um, being complex, which le- leads to, exp- uh, to, to, um, to complexity. Uh, sorry, complex that leads to, um, to higher cost and being expensive, and also just the lack of compliance, the lack of being able to, to fit around us as humans. So, The, the thing I saw um, as part of a video presentation that you um, gave at Outset had what looked like, um, you know, a small bit of fabric pulling up this enormous weight. So yeah, explain, paint a picture for us of like what stage the tech's at and what it actually kind of, how it, how it comes into the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, yeah, it, it, it's not, uh, I wouldn't say it's fabric per se, um, but it is, it is a very, very thin material. Mm. It's only 50 microns thin, um, which is thinner than here. Um, and it's something that, um, when, you know, similar to muscle, when you, when you form it into bundles, you can actually increase the amount of force you can output out of it, but with a very, very slim form factor, right? Um, and so that's probably what you, what you saw in terms of the video. Um, and yeah, and um, it, it, that, was, that was an early proof of concept. Um, and since then, um, the start of this year, we've been developing or improving the material properties, um, uh, which then leads to an improvement on the, the physical properties, the, um, the actuation, um, the movement. Um, and so that original prototype was like only pulling around 900 times initially, and we've gotten it to pull, like you said, um, up to eight, eight, uh, up to 10,000 times. Um, but it, it, we're only at the cusp of understanding the material, so it, 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 um, it can pull more than that, although we haven't done enough testing to, to really be you know, certain that that's something that's within operational range. Um, so we've improved on the, on, the, on the force aspect. We're now improving on the, the, uh, the strain aspect, um, how much it can move. Um, and right now we're developing more prototypes, actually um, developing more than one. Initially we're thinking, oh, we'll do another prototype, but um, we found that it's so versatile. Um, that we can actually just like take the muscle and attach it into these different kind of um, different time type of uh, uh, mechanisms and um, you know, applications, and it just it just works its magic. And so we're 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 making a few prototypes right now, and um, hopefully to to showcase and demonstrate um, later this year. Awesome, and we'll be back in a moment to talk about building the business, haptics, and the future. Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. And we're back with Anvil from Denison Technologies. So you mentioned there a couple of 
applications it could be used for. Like, what kind of stuff does a kind of muscle uh, that you can put into something that can, that can then exert a force and pull something so much heavier than it? What, what kind of stuff does that become useful for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, short answer, there's a whole host of them. Um, and this really takes me to the point where we, this, this actuator, this artificial muscle, even though we started with um, doing medical devices first and we were like, oh, actually, it can be really good for a lot of different wearables. Um, and then from there, kind of gone, gotten a lot of interest in robotics as well. Is I'm like, what do we actually have? Um, and so because it's useful for all of those aspects, what's the main thing that they were looking for? And it really boils down to, again, moving something from point A to point B but being able to move it in a slimmer package. Um, and so we realized that this is actually something, um, you know, in the, in the medium to long term that can grow as a, it, that can be a platform that can enable better soft robotics everywhere, including wearables. Um, and some, I'll, I'll tell you some of the applications, but in terms of the applications, you know, this isn't something that is like, oh, it's going to, disrupt every other actuator technology beforehand. No, this is just another um, another tool on the engineering's toolbox. This is just another thing that can be um, that can be on the shelf. Um, and it really it, it really hones down to what what's the what's the strength of this and what values does it bring compared to those other ones? Um, well it boils down to a few things. One is that it's lightweight. Two, it's slim. It's got a slim compact form factor. Three it's very simple. It, it, it reduces the complexity. It's got a low part count, which then leads to um, easier manufacturing. Um, it's quite modular. Um, it's something that if you were to put some muscle on your design um, on a high level and you said, oh, you, you wanted more force, you can essentially just put more of the same kind of um, uh, fiber. Um, so it, it's got that modularity involved. And it's low noise. Um, and this is something that um, actually I, I, I often kind of um, skip. But um, when you're working with hydraulics and pneumatics, there's compressors, there's a lot of moving parts, right? It makes a lot of noise. R1 makes very little noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you focus on those, those values, uh, and also it's compliant, which means it's got a level of give to it. You know, um, it's, it's, it's not just rigid. Um, and if you focus on those values, the, 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 the industries are really, uh, from what I've seen so far, benefit from it are things like um, aerospace where they, um, let's just um, focus on space deployables and um, things like satellites. Um, you know, like being able to, to, to unfurl a satellite, for example, um, you know, you, you fold, you fold these, these, these solar arrays into origami so that it can save space. It's, it's very wireframe, so it can save weight. Um, and the one thing that you can't fold into origami fully at the moment is the actuator. And we have actuators that are like 50 microns thin. And so that can, that, you know, in, in the aerospace industry, that's being lightweight, being that saving space and saving cost. And that those are very critical, um, things that, um, um, in the aerospace side, they're looking for. Um, in terms of other applications, um, applications in soft robotics. Um, so soft robotics, just for context, or any kind of robotics that doesn't require a rigid system of um, things like gears and motors. And there's an es- there's an, an essence to it around um, compliance. Um, and so things like um, social robots or collaborative robotics that are meant to be working 
and living closely with us in an urban environment. If you think like sci-fi movies, like iRobot and stuff, where like mm. robots are fully intertwined with the, the fabric of our society. Well, you want to make sure that those robots can interact with us safely. They can interact with us compliantly and they, they you know, there's, there's a low risk of them hurting us. Um, and so that's something that you can't fully achieve with the current actuation technology, hence why we need to build some form of compliance to it. And so building robots that are more human-like so that it can, you know, live with us safely. Um, you know, you don't want a big metal, metal monster machine um, taking care of your, your grandma in the rest home. Mm -hmm. um, you want something that's, I don't know if you've seen the, the movie Baymax, but something like that, you know, something that can, you, you know, and, and, and screams an essence of safety. Um, and so in social robotics, collaborative robotics, this, is, this, is, this has huge applications. Um, and also, obviously, what, where I started and where I want this to go is really in the wearable space, especially in healthcare. So wearables at the moment, um, you know, like if you're using the typical actuators, it can get bulky very fast and clunky. And um, ultimately, people wouldn't even want to like, you know, it, it's stuck in the clinical environment as well because um, they tend to be very costly right now. Um, and so we want something that um, people are comfortable wearing um, on a on a daily basis. That's that's the vision. Um, what I found is people with disability, um, even even like my dad, for example, who wears wears a leg brace. Um, sometimes he just won't wear his leg brace. I've I found like like years ago, and I asked him like, why aren't you wearing it? Because you know, like it, it's helping you walk. It's like yeah, but it's uncomfortable, so I don't want to wear it. I'll just live with the, you know, the, there's this cost-benefit analysis of like, to be honest, if you if it's not comfortable, they, they don't even want to wear it, you know? Um, and so there's the comfort side um, in, soft, in, in wearables. There's the compliance side, meaning that it can, it can, it can uh, interface with us very, very seamlessly. Um, and then there's also the uh, there's also just the, the the cost aspect. You know, we want this actuator, uh, this artificial muscle, to be made roll to roll. Um, you know, and w working with soft softer materials, lower energy manufacturing. We want it to do that because, you know, we want we want this to apply to things like healthcare in a way that it's not just for a few, but for many. Uh, and if we want to create a large impact for many. We have to have something that can be mass adopted, something that can be fully accessible, that can be um, mass produced. And so that's the other aspect of it is, you know, I don't want to develop something that's just going to benefit um, the rich few. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want something that's going to benefit everyone because um, I've said it before, um, you know, disability disease, all of these things, they don't care what tax bracket you're in. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, it, 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 it gets, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. So why should we have to, you know, to choose, you know, like, you know, why, why should we have to, to limit ourselves in terms of the opportunity that's out there when there's, you know, and, and that, that's really it. You know, we want to make it so like cost effective to, to really create value for everyone. Yeah, and tools like this, like not just the people who are experiencing accessibility issues, uh, but carers or people around them, like being able to lift someone or have extra strength around your back or, mm. you know, in, in your arms and, you know, all of these things. Like it's yeah. um, it's it's so cool. I mean, I, I, tell us a little bit about kind of um, 
the role outset has played in this. Is that's where I saw um, the, the work you're doing. And it's such, you know, I've said it before on the podcast, it's like a kind of Willy Wonka factory for people who are, you know, doing deep tech. Um, but yeah, so, so, so cool, that environment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never heard it um, described as like the Willy Wonka factory of deep tech. Uh, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're trying, I see what you're trying to say. It is, it is, when you walk through Outset, it's just this amazing facility um, with all of these amazing people making amazing techie, deep tech, st- sci-fi stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, to be frank, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Outset. I started doing this. I started, <laughs> I, I, st- I, I essentially started Denison. Um, buying chemicals into my my residential address when I was still in the Air Force. And um, people asking me, hey, um, I noticed this this is in a residential address um, and you want these chemicals. Um, What are you using this for? And obviously, you know, IP and stuff. I'm like, oh, I can't tell you what I'm using it for. (laughs) But 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 I'm... I've I've done all my risk management stuff. And it's like, do you have a lab? I've got a kitchen. Um, (laughs) And so... They were like straight away. No, we're not going to give you any chemicals. For, you know, like the, you know, health and safety aspect of it, which makes sense. Um, and so that's where I kind of thought to myself, oh, I really need like a place to 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 do this. You know, like they're not going. It's not going to cut it with residential ad uh, with residential stuff. Um, and so I started looking for um, to lease a lab anywhere, and then there were no no real real places to do that cost effectively. Um, I was going to go lease an empty building and turn that into a lab. You know, um, and then. Uh, I was I was directed to Outset, who were called Level Two at the time, and it was this this place that was just like, oh, we'll give you lab space to create your your sci-fi dream, make your sci-fi dreams come true. And I'm like, well, that fits really really well. Um, and so I had a chat to Imcha, who's the CEO. And I remember that chat very well, and um, you know, she's just this very bubbly, very welcoming person. Um, and I explained to her what we were doing, um, and she told me like, oh, you should pitch to us. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, I pitched to them, and they said, "Yeah, we'll give you lab space, but we'd like to we'd like to help you out and invest in you as well." And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, oh, we're we're only at the concept stage. It's like, yeah, but like, you know, like they they wanted to 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 help out. They they understood, you know, um, the the people in Outset, um, uh, they a lot of the people there underwent the deep tech process from test tube to commercial. Um, so they understand the need for support. They understand the need to, to support, support an early stage. And that's what they did. And so they gave us lab space. They surrounded us with all of this um, amazing support in terms of not just in technology, but like, you know, starting a business, right? Like, how do you do the financials? <laughs> like, you know, like, how do you do, uh, how do you protect your IP? How do you like, all of these other things that have to all work together, um, you know, because deep tech founders tend to be very science-based and, um, you know, academic-based, um, and they don't have anything to do with business. And so they, they surround you with that, that, um, with that support. And the, the lab space, I mean, like you go to, to Outset, it's just lab spaces galore, and they will tailor the lab space to you. And um, this is something that I've, I've, under, uh, I've undergone. Um, they really did tailor the lab space for what we needed. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, again, we don't, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Outset. Um, 
they are always looking for new deep tech companies that are looking for space, looking for investment. Um, and I, w- I would highly recommend, you know, I'm in the space still. Um, you know, we've got our lab there. We moved from a, s- a small lab to a bigger lab to potentially a bigger lab um, in, the, in the next couple of months. Um, and they just provide all of that for you. They really support you throughout the, 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 the startup journey in, in deep tech. And they, the, most of all, they understand deep tech. Um, you know, they understand the struggles, the specific struggles around it. So, yeah. So if anyone's like, if, if anyone's out there that is making cool sci-fi stuff, you know, definitely have a chat to me or um, have a chat to Outset um, and they'll, you know, highly recommend it. They'll sort you out. Yeah, it's magic. And yeah, every every kind of lab type and uh, equipment and workshop and yeah, just such a such a toy box. Um, yeah. And yeah. as a as a final thought, like you know, it's 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 quite early days, but you've made some really big leaps in the technology. What will success be for you, and what will success be for Denison Technologies? Yeah, success for me, very high driver, obviously, was with, with my father, so. Success for me is really giving him an abil- giving him the ability to, to to walk again, and this is this str- this is not him just walking physically and taking a few steps. This is everything in his life taking a few steps forward. Um, it's not just about the physical; it's about freedom. It's about confidence. Um, it's about being able to to be in in society. And not to be, you know, to have the same opportunities as everyone else. Um, my dad has struggled finding work because people look at him as a safety risk and they don't go any deeper than that. Um, and I want to change his life in those aspects, not just physically, but everything that that's, um, that's you know, th- this like this ripple effect essentially of like, you know, because he's able to do this, he feels more confident. He's He's got the same freedoms of, as everyone else. He can feel more connected like everyone else. Like something as simple as like, you know, my, me and my dad, um, what ends up happening is my, me, my dad, my sister, and my mom, um, whenever we'd go anywhere, we always split into two groups, my mom and my sister who, um, who walk at a certain pace and my dad walking at a slower pace. And I tend to walk at that, the same pace as my father because I don't want him to feel like he's being left out. Something like something as simple as being able to walk the same pace as your family, that is the value. And that's, that's the mission, that's the vision for me. That's what success looks like to me. Um, something as simple as my dad being able to walk the same pace as all of us. Um, in terms of Denison, well, that, that, that just blows it globally, right? I want the same values that my dad will be able to, um, to experience for everyone in the world to experience that. Um, I always say it, um, say it as this technology is a platform. It's going to help a lot of different industries. And I am super confident that this is going to be a breakthrough, a world-changing technology. But at the forefront, the vision, it has to help the people who need it most. And when I, it has to enable the people who need it most. And when I say people that need it most, it's people that ha, ha, are, are going through struggles or um, have, have at the moment, um, because of circumstance, um, are limited in terms of their freedom, confidence, and connection. And th- these are essentially people in, you know, who have physical disability, people that are, are bound to wheelchairs. You know, like, I don't, that I, I, I see a more optimistic future. I see a future where 
you know, hopefully wheelchairs don't need to be around anymore. People don't need to have crutches. You can just wear a pair of like spandex that works for works on you, that can get you out of that wheelchair. If you're, um, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you're having uh, mobility issues because of old age, um, being able to 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 get you up and running, even if it's just to be able to play with your grandkids, that's the future that I want. I don't think future uh, like wheelchairs um, exist in the future. I think it's something that belongs in the museum, and we look back and we go like, oh, that used to be the way we um, we transport people. You know, we 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 provide mobility for um, people with disability, but now we just you know. We just put this garment on, and every and they have it augments capability, and you know gives them the same freedoms, confidence, and connection as everyone else. And that's that's the vision. Is really, yeah, success for me, my father, success for the company, to spread that value to everyone else in the world. Oh, that's magic. Well, I can't wait to see where you take it next. And thank you so much for coming and sharing the story today. That's Anvil Banyas of Denison Technologies. Yep. Thank you very much. So thank you to Anvil, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Teihe Butler. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. Enohora. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.